Welcome to the podcast of Faith Chapel with Pastor Richard Rogers. It's a privilege to bring this message to you, and we hope it brings you greater faith, hope, and love in the Lord. Please know that Pastor Rich prays personally for you, our listeners, each and every week. Thank you for joining us today. It's a series in James that we're looking at. The series is titled Faith and Works. I've titled it Worldly Thinking versus Godly Actions. And we're looking at chapter 2, really verses 1 through 13. See, James is, is writing from his own personal, and I've said this before, his own personal first-hand experience, and he, he wanted to inspire and uh, hope and endurance regarding faith, regarding trials, testing, persecution, and, and such. He does this, and he, he's, he's going to focus on uh, faith and works later in this chapter in his book. And the Jewish leaders, though, had, if you know some of the teaching before, was that they would look down on the poor, they looked down on the common, they looked down on the needy people. That's what they did. They, they kind of were a different class of people. The religious people, uh, the religious leaders, were focused on the outward and the and the physical. They were concerned about their own personal power, authority, and how people viewed them, rather than focusing truly focusing on God Almighty and and other people. Jesus's teaching often offended the religious leaders and was visibly different, and in contrast to the religious leaders of the day. Jesus has said, and we've heard it before, to be t one who teaches with authority, having authority, rather than as the religious leaders were teaching. Jesus focused on the personal, spiritual well-being of a person. Jesus walked and lived in the authority of God, and, and he being the Son of God. Jesus was focused on the spiritual heart of the person and their spiritual well-being. Jesus knew that the outward sinful lifestyle would change when the inward changed, when they became faith in Christ, when their hearts were changed, when they were spiritually delivered from sin, there would be a different outcome. They would That person should live differently. He often when he healed someone, he said, now go and sin no more. See, Jesus came and he healed uh, many physically, but that wasn't the primary reason why he came. He came to bring spiritual deliverance, spiritual healing. See, Jesus knew how a person acted outwardly reflected the spiritual condition of the person's heart. One of one person might be full of pride, self, and, and spiritually blind to their own bondage to sin, while the other is humble and spiritually seeking and in need of a savior, but they both needed deliverance. They both needed Christ. They both were living in spiritual bondage that kept them blind to what God had for them. Outwardly, one looked wealthy, as if life was all together. But inwardly, they were far from God and didn't realize it or know it. The other 
might look outwardly poor and, and needy and common. This person looked to be an outcast and was considered sometimes an outcast of society. And, but, and they too were living far from God. But both needed God, needed faith in Christ, needed to know Christ as Lord and Savior. One is looked down upon while the other uh, may not have had the courage to even hope that salvation could ever change them. But both needed a savior. They needed to understand that hope that in Christ. Remember Jesus is writing this letter to the 12 tribes of Israel. He's, he's writing to Jewish believers. Some who were struggling spiritually and needing to be reminded to love their neighbor as their self and to love their neighbor with, and do the right thing. The believer needed to let go of the past worldly teachings and thinking. The believer needed to embrace the teaching and words of, of Christ. You see, James knew Jesus' teaching. The Sermon on the Mount is a great example of Jesus' teaching how spiritual truth of God is witnessed in a person's heart. Matthew 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of God. But the world didn't understand that. The religious leaders didn't understand that. People today don't understand that. Blessed, happy are the poor in spirit. Not that they are poor inside or anything like that. They need to know Christ as Lord and Savior. That's when we are rich in Christ. But being poor in spirit is understanding that you don't have Christ in your life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. They will come to know Christ as Lord and Savior as they open up their lives to Christ. You see, the worldly person doesn't understand the, the words of Jesus because Jesus is focused on the spiritual truth rather than the natural, rather than worldly thinking. Jesus tells us the words and actions of a person must display faith and harmony with the spiritual truth of the gospel. The religious leaders didn't understand this. They were more concerned about the outward, the present, how they looked in their eyes, in the eyes of others, and they neglected the spiritual truth of God and the spiritual bondage that filled their hearts because of sin. See, James is, is attempting to show the Jewish believers the difference between legalistic interpretation of the Jewish law that was to point to the need of a Savior and the spiritual meaning and fulfillment of the law in Christ, uh, the Lord and faith in Christ that leads to salvation. See, the, the Jewish people, many thought that if they obeyed the law, that they would gain heaven. But no one could obey the law. No one can be fully obedient and not break the law. It was impossible. James addresses something that was all too common in his day and unfortunately was being modeled by the religious leaders. And it's a warning for us today as well. 
You see, we must view people through God's eyes rather than judge a person according to our own personal prejudices or by outward situation. We need to look past what they look like and look at the heart. We need to look past of what is going on, the outward, and be concerned about the inward. See, Jesus came so that whosoever might believe would be saved. He didn't look at someone and say, well, you don't deserve it. You don't look like this. You don't look like that. You don't look like someone who's going to listen. No. Jesus looked down on no one. Jesus did not come to deliver from sin only those whom he thought or, or who we like or feel comfortable about or, or we think that deserve. The problem is none of us deserve salvation. See, favoritism is what he's going to be talking about in, in these next 13 verses. Favoritism should not have anything to do with how we act or, or help others or how we live. Jesus explains what true faith in Christ looks like and what it is not. You see, faith in Jesus is more than simply words and it is displayed by our outward actions and inward motives of our heart. With that, I want to read to you James 2, verses 1 through 13. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. We're not to show favoritism. Suppose a man, and he gives an example here, You've all heard it, I'm sure. Suppose a man comes to your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and says, here, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand here or, or, or sit at my feet on the floor. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Verse 5 says this, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? Now that is true today. Many look down on people that are Christians. You're using that as a crutch. Or, I don't need. I don't need that religion. And they look at that's just a bunch of laws, a bunch of legalistic things. They look down on, on that. But he says, "Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith?" and to inherit the kingdom of God he promised those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? 
Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. You understand that? A person who breaks even the least law is considered as breaking all of it. He who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you become a lawbreaker. Verse 12. Speak and act as those going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll anoint your word in our time, the remainder of our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but there's been times where I have looked at someone and been judgmental at times. Someone living in on a street corner. Someone who is is dirty. Someone who looks unkept. Would we allow that person to come into the church? I would like to hope that we would. Would we say that here, sit back here? Or would we say, here, come and sit by me? I would like to think that we would embrace them. But often we, we may not. We have our own prejudices. We have our own likes and dislikes. We need to be careful that we do not show favoritism on someone that we think we like or think might be. Have you ever seen someone and, and think, now that person's a Christian because of how they, they may be acting or how they look? You know, the I was not really in the hippie or the 70s or the 60s or whatever that um, movement was, the Jesus movement, where people were, were, were becoming Christians that looked like they would never become Christians. We would honestly think that this person's not a Christian, but yet they love the Lord with all their heart. They don't look the same as we do. They may have 
a bunch of tattoos. They may have this. They may have that. They may be dressed in a different way. We, we get judgmental at times. That's something that we should not be. The religious leaders look down on, on the common, the needy. They, they wanted to be seen as uh, with the rich and famous. Problem is, I don't, I don't know if I would be good with the rich and famous. I don't think I have the, the same thinking or, or anything like that. But we want to be by these people that, that look nice and, and such. But often they're the ones that do, do not want God at all. Not that we turn our backs from them, but those are sometimes the ones we want to rub shoulders with rather than those who are truly needy. Jesus kept, went, went for those who were truly needy, spoke to them, talked to them. He wanted to see the religious leaders come to Christ. He wanted them to, to come to, to know and, and, and to come to faith. But they had their own issues and they weren't uh, listening. But those who were poor, who were poor in spirit, who were hopeless, they were open to hearing the hope of, of God, the message of Christ. And it spoke life and hope to them. We can't, we should never be a person who deals with and follows that type of thinking, favoritism. Now we may favor at times our, our people we know that are Christians, but we are not to ignore those who are not. Those who don't know Christ need Jesus. Right. Yep. Yep. They need to know that they need to hear the message. James is reaching back on the Sermon on the Mount to highlight the spiritual difference between God's law and man's legalistic spiritual blindness that only condemned. See, in the verses we read, we find favoritism is a root in pride and evil thoughts. In contrast to God's law of liberty and, and that is demonstrated by the heart of God and loving all mankind. In Matthew, you remember a story, Matthew 19, where the man comes to him and says uh, to Jesus, what good thing must I do to enter eternal life? And Jesus answers that question in Matthew 19, starting in verse 18. Don't murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false witness. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And the man responds, all these I've kept. What else do I lack? Jesus answered this, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, then come and follow me. You see, truly he was not living as he should. He thought he was, and so many of us think that we're okay. That's where James deals with the fact if you stumble in one area one simple sin you want to call it whatever that might be see do we often
categorize or judge sin? The axe murderer versus the guy who just maybe tells a little white lie or a little fib? One's a lot worse than the other in our minds. But God says sin is sin. He doesn't categorize this as worse or this is better. They're all it's all sin. We need to understand that all is sin. Here Jesus calls this man to a deeper spiritual commitment. One of selfless action and not words only. I don't think it cost him much to honor his mom and dad and all that. What was going to cost him was selling everything and following Jesus. See, the man in this story needed a change of heart, a spiritual attitude change. He needed his spiritual eyes opened, but sadly he walks away with an unchanged heart because of selfishness and pride. You see, he wanted to hear that he was doing okay. Yeah. We all want to hear that. Yeah. You see, instead he chose only to hear what he wanted to hear. He did not and could not let go of the worldly teachings and worldly riches that he held on to. He was unable to truly love his neighbor as much as he loved his worldly possessions as himself. Now, I'm not saying, nor I believe Jesus says that you should sell everything and go give it all to the poor, but we should never hold on to it so tight that we do not give to those in need. You see, the Word of God gives us a clear difference between spiritual, prideful, unloving motives that the world claims is, uh, and says that we need to hold on to and what Scripture teaches about loving God and loving people and having faith in Christ. See, we, we must choose to be spiritually receptive regarding faith in Christ and embrace the truth of God, especially when it challenges us to look inward and convicts us of sin. As believers, we must view things from God's perspective, not according to the worldly ideas or, or by a person's physical appearance or status, position, dress, wealth, background, I'm going to add smell. <laughs> really. As believers, we must look at view things from God's perspective, not according to worldly ideas of a person's appearances. See, James calls every believer to refrain from judging one another as the world standards and instead to look and act according to the loving heart of God. To do anything else is sin. See, we should love one another as Christ loved us. We should love our neighbors as ourselves. Who is our neighbor? Everybody's our neighbor. Knowing that God loved us while we were still sinners, he gave his life that we might have eternal life. That should encourage us to do the same and love one another just as Christ loved us. 
Listen to 1 Corinthians 1, starting at verse 26. And I want, I personalize this to myself. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of noble birth. But God has chosen the foolish. He's chosen you, Richard. He's chosen you, Tony. He's chosen you, Dale. He's chosen you, uh, every each one of you. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He's chosen the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. You remember that God, when he chose Israel, it wasn't because they were a great city or a great group of nations. They were the poorest. They were the weakest. But he said, I choose you. See, God looks at the heart of a person and not the outward appearance as the world looks. We can quickly fall into a trap of thinking that James is maybe speaking of physical wealth or worldly influence, but really he's looking at the heart. James and Paul address faith in God and encourage the believer to steer clear of worldly thinking. Much of what the world frowns upon or despises is exactly what God looks for in a person. Many today claim to have faith in God. They may have relied on religious teachings that the world has twisted into a form of religion and yet is far from the truth. Many believe that they are okay, but by their actions and, and words, they are clearly do not know Christ as Lord and Savior and they're living apart from God. Those are the people we need to speak life and hope to. These individuals think themselves to be wise when they are truly foolish. Not realizing their sin and rebellion towards God Almighty. So many in today's world say things that are not godly. There is someone on the news, well, it, it, God's okay with abortion. Where do you read that? Yeah. God's okay with doing X. Where do you read that? Exactly. But in their mind, they're thinking that they know God and they, you know, and they're okay. Their hearts are darkened. They're foolish. They need their blinders uh, uh, stripped away. They need their spiritual eyes open. But they are following the ways of the world. The person who views themselves as a sinner saved by grace, the person who recognizes their need uh, for the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God, is spiritually humble. You see, in the world's eyes, often a person is viewed as poor who believe and trust in the Word of God, who believe that this is God's 
word God breathed this is alive you mean you you live according to this yes yes we're all sinners saved by grace if we placed our faith in Christ we're all sinners Let me kind of close with the last two verses of this. And I, I want you to understand that showing favoritism sometimes is, we don't do it on purpose, but sometimes we fall into that. We need to be careful and have the heart of God. We need to view things with our eyes wide open, our spiritual eyes. I've, uh, I've thought about truly when we begin to show favoritism, when we begin to do things, we don't realize that we're sinning sometimes. We need to ask God to open up our spiritual eyes. And that's where we pray and we press in and ask for God's wisdom, ask for God's grace, ask for God's mercy, ask for the truth of God to be real. That's where we need to pray because we need to seek the Lord every day. The world's teaching can become accustomed to it if we're not careful. We look at some people who we, we think are Christians and we see that they're not living a certain way. Or maybe we think that that's okay. But if God has put it on your heart that it's wrong, it's wrong for you. We need to understand that. If you think it's wrong, you feel it's wrong, then it is wrong for you. It is sin for you. Verse 12 says this, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. We need to love and show the mercy of God to everyone. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. Listen, allow the mercy of God to triumph in your heart and to guide you in how you live. Reject the lies of the enemy, the worldly motives of how you once lived. Speak and act as one who loves God and loves his neighbor as himself. If you're gonna show favoritism, show favoritism to everyone. Not a, a select few. We don't show favoritism to just someone. We. If we're going to show favoritism, it's to everyone. Those who need Christ and those who, who know Christ. Those who smell the way we want and those who smell not the way we want. Those who have clean shirts and those who may have dirty shirts. Those who have holes in their pants and those who, who don't have holes in their pants. Amen. Nowadays, you pay a lot of money for those holes <laughs> with your <laughs> pants. <laughs> those pants we used to get rid of, right? <laughs> Now you, 
You should have kept them. You, you'd make a lot of money with the rips in the knees and stuff like that. The faded jeans, all that. See, we should speak and act as one who have faith in Christ. None of us are perfect. None of us deserve the love of God. The smallest infraction to the commands of God is no less deserving than the murderer. All sin is the same in God's eyes. Let us love and have the mercy of God in our hearts and our lives and that he is that Christ has shown you be the reason why you share your faith in Christ and love one another as Christ has loved you we love our neighbor the one who smells like gain and the one who smells like tide and the one who needs to smell better than what they do. The ones that have tattoos, the ones that don't. The ones that, that whatever they look like, whoever they are, I tell you, God loves them. God loves them. He loves you with all of his heart. Let's strive to be obedient to the call of God. Let's not show favoritism as the world shows favoritism. But let's love everyone that they might come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. That's where if he slaps you on the cheek, turn and turn your cheek and let him slap another one. If he wants to sue you, give him your coat. Your, your, whatever it is, you allow that person that will speak more to that person than you becoming angry. Anger is not of God. Oh, I, I know that it may have looked like God was angry, or Jesus was angry when he turned over the tables. But it was not an anger of hatred. It was, I think it was more of he was angry that they haven't believed. And, and, and anger may not be the right word. Anger may not be the right word. But love one another. Love one another. Heavenly Father, I thank you for, for James, is what he's written. And, and as we continue to look at James, the next section speaks of faith and works. Our faith is displayed in how we live and what we do. Give us a greater understanding and it's not by, by words alone. Oh yes, we, 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 when we proclaim you as Lord and Savior, we, we, in our words, we, we become a, a believer, but our faith needs to, we need to put action to our faith. Bless each one here. May they sense your presence. Father, open up their spiritual eyes that they might see. Give us the heart 
to share the gospel. Help us to not be people of filled with pride, but filled with the righteousness of Christ to share that righteousness with others. We are not righteous in ourselves. We cannot gain heaven or glory by what we do. But our faith calls us to be that person of God, to do things. Not to be saved, but because we are saved, we will do things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Rich Rogers with Faith Chapel Church in Pleasanton, California. If you've been encouraged by this message, we'd like to hear from you. You can contact us, listen to other sermons, and learn more at agfaithchapel.org. If you would like to give to the Ministry of Faith Chapel to reach the community and our missionaries around the world, go to agfaithchapel.org give. Thank you, and God bless you.